Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that's a class above. This week on Heart and Hand, hands up who had 10 minutes in the referee to fuck his sweepstake. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host. And joining me this week are two of our most interesting and wonderful guests. First of all, from Sunkiss, Mexico, it's Mr. Cameron James Bell. Buenos dias, David. Call me star. Um, half past two, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you enjoying yourself? Um, I was up until certain referees decided to try and ruin it as best as they possibly could, but... You don't take a holiday from Rangers, David. That's my viewpoint. No, and uh, I like the fact that um, we said to Cammy, look, will you do any time that we, there's refereeing controversy? And he said, sure, and arranged to be able to do it from Mexico because he knew that it would take precisely one week. Uh, so, <laughs> um, first game of the season, and here we go. And joining us from slightly less sunny Paisley is Mr David Marshall. I think you'll find that I'm sun-kissed Limwood, but I um, I can't really do any Spanish introduction, so I'll just do a classic Limwood introduction just say, all right? Yes. <laughs> How about culture there? We've got culture from Spain and we've got culture from Linwood, so that's grand. Right, lads, uh, let's kick things off. Rangers versus Aberdeen, opening league match of the season. Rangers, I thought, started very, very well. We're looking by far the dominant team, very comfortable and like a lot of the performances so far, just very calm. And things seem to be going okay. Missed a good chance through Jamie Murphy. Looked as though Rangers were settling in for a good performance. Uh, after 10 minutes, break and play. Referee Kevin Clancy walks up to Alfredo Morelos, sends him a red card. Uh, replays from Sky, and thankfully it was Sky who had this game, lads, because they take more than three cameras, unlike BT or an iPhone, unlike the BBC. And uh, they showed you an incident where Aberdeen's £900 million rated Scott McKenna bumps twice into Alfredo Morelos, the second catching him on the temple. Alfredo turns round, reacts, 
kind of kicks out as he's spinning round to him. Uh, did seem a little harsh to me. I do get the whole argument of Willie's gave the referee a decision, but I did think it was 10 minutes into a new season. I think with any other club, the referee takes them aside, warns them both, tells them to calm down and just gets on with it. But of course it's Rangers, so that doesn't happen. And Rangers are up against it from there in. So let's get straight to the heart of the matter. Cameron, you're a qualified referee. Uh, I know it wasn't the referee who sent him off. Well, I know it was, but I know that the decision came from the linesman and I know that he's got to follow that. But it, it did seem somewhat extreme. It seemed he went from not to 60 in, in four seconds there. It, it, it did. I think... You've got to probably because I know that there's, there's been a lot of chat. The how do you see the first offence, which is the, the the barge, and not the second offence? And I think the easiest way to be able to say that is a, a kick's easier to see than a dig with your shoulder. And you see things like that happening at corners all the time, whereas you don't see you know guys kicking each other. Um, it's it's I, I'd hate to say it. It's it's probably the right decision in my eyes um, because I know that people have said um, Morelos makes it easy for the referee I think Rangers make it easy for referees to give decisions like that against us um, and I know we'll kind of expand on that later but uh, it's it's as you say, the, the, the first opening 10 minutes of the game um, I've used this phrase before but the classic referee get out is you know, is actually a booking to both players and a screw the nut. And I genuinely think we could have been talking about that to say, do you think it's right to book both players within the first 10 minutes of a, a league opener? But sadly, we're not even down that road. We are talking about a dismissal. So, um, obviously, the conversation between linesman and the referee, the linesman will just be turning around to him and saying, he kicked out at him. OK, he kicked out at him. Yeah, he kicked out at him. OK, then it's a dismissal. I, um, I think my problem with it, Cammy, is yeah. I think my problem with it. We saw very similar at St. Johnson last season when the guy, uh, I think it was Chris Miller, kicked out at David Bates, got a got a yellow card, and we they were four one down. There was ten minutes left, and it was quite clearly a sympathy vote from the ref. And we saw another one, David Bates against Falkirk. For some reason, the the ginger Maldini was the guy who who seemed to to get it got punched in the balls by a Falkirk player, and again they were getting beat. The ref sympathy vote, yellow card. And that's why the argument of, oh, it's only 10 minutes into the season, I think does have some validity. Because normally, you're right, I, I think that we, we would say, no, no, it doesn't matter, the rules are the rules and they should be imposed at any point, shouldn't matter the game, but it does. We go back to the Howard Webb World Cup where he, he kept Nigel De Jong on the park because it was a World Cup, even though it was a red card. And therefore, I, I do think, I really do believe, possibly wrongly, I do believe, David, that any other clubs playing in that fixture, the referee takes both of them aside, says, cut out the nonsense, I'm watching you both, and maybe does, as Cammy says, issue two yellow cards. I think it does go back to the fact that with us, we're refereed differently, and certain players uh, get reputations. We all know that Alfredo Morelos, pretty much since he arrived, has been targeted by the media as a hothead and whatnot, and I, I think you saw the results of that. I think so as well. I think you talk about if it was any other team, the result would have been different. Um, I think as well, my first thought when I saw it was that if that was in our Rangers player, maybe apart from Ryan Jack, I don't know if it would have been the same result as well. You see later on in the game when uh, 
Devlin squared up to Arfield and literally grabbed him by the collar. And the referee in that occasion decided to book both the players. If it was any other player other than Alfred Munoz, I don't know if he was getting sent off. Obviously, this was something that Aberdeen had in mind because McKenna isn't just bumping him to the DNR, so he's doing it precisely to target Morelos and try and get a reaction out of him. Uh, it's also something he's been told to do before the game. I'm going to argue a point with Cammy there that he's talking about um, why, how did the linesman uh, see the, the kick-out and not the bars initially, saying it's easier to see the kick-out. I'd agree with that to an extent if it was in a different situation, but this was one that was in the middle of the park, clear no for play, not too far away from the linesman. I cannot buy that he didn't see he saw the kick and didn't see the barge. Your, your problem, your problem with that though, David, is I think the light, the referee. If you're, dis- if you're discussing that scenario, the referee probably asks, "Why did he kick him?" And I think the linesman then says he did it unprovoked. In which case, that suggests to me that he's not seen him. So, in other words, it's not as if the two of them have had a go at each other and Morelos has booted him. I think what's happened is that the linesman has seen the kick. I think the, the referee has said, you know, what for? Like, what, what did he kick him for? Um, the linesman said, for nothing, there was no provocation. And then as a result of that, he, he's then dismissed the red. Um, surely, though, Cammy, with, surely, though, common sense tells you he didn't just turn around and kick him for no reason. Well, that's what I was about to say. Even with the most inept of referees, I don't believe that anyone actually believes a player has just ran on the park and within the opening uh, period of the game decides just to turn around and boot an opponent for no reason. Fair enough if the guy's been at him for 80 minutes and been jostling him and pushing him and harassing him for the entire game and then just out of pure frustration, fair enough. But I think that was pretty much the first thing that Morelos did. I think that was his first interaction in the game because I don't think he had very much involvement at all in the Murphy chance. It's just bizarre to me, but it does make sense that the linesman probably hasn't seen the initial contact because it's far more subtle and that's what's cost him. And that's, I don't think, think it's that subtle, so, Cammy. I don't think so, it's either. Okay, well, what I would say back to you then is do you think if he barges him back, do you think play's even stopped? No. So there you go then. That's why it's more subtle. Well, because I mean, look, is, I, I do get the you, argument. You I do get the argument, Cammy, that he's gave the ref a decision and I know people some mm. people don't like that but it is a fact there is a slight kick out there's no doubt about it uh, it's just the frustration at incidents we can name off the top of our heads that go differently and I think that that's where people get upset and feel the Rangers are refereed differently so moving on in the game then Rangers I think in the first half are brilliant um, play a 4-3-2 rather than going to a 4-5 which a lot of teams would do or a 4 um, or a four four one, which a lot of teams would do. We stuck to a four three two, and Aberdeen just couldn't get wide. It let us keep our pressing going, and Rangers create another chance. Josh Windass, after a, a stramash, is about to put the ball into an empty net. Gets pulled back by Dominic Ball. It's a penalty. Even the Aberdeen management team agreed with that. And for some reason, and I will need this one explained to me, boys. You're both qualified referees, uh, David. Why is it not a red card? Now, we know that the rule is different these days. It's not an automatic red card. If if Dominic Ball had slid in to tackle him, for example, and just hadn't got the ball, then it wouldn't be a red card. We understand that. But I believe, and you guys can clear this up for me, I believe the rule is if you make no attempt to play the ball, i.e. a pull, um, then it's a red card. So why is he still in the park? 
Oh, that's certainly my understanding of the rule. There has to be an attempt to play the ball. I don't know uh, how you can look back in that or even during the time think that one dominant ball isn't stopping a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Uh, if he doesn't impede uh, Josh Windass, he's got to tap into an empty net. And, you know, was dominant ball making an attempt to play the ball? Absolutely not. He's behind uh, Windass. He's nowhere near the ball. I've seen a lot of people online saying, I can't believe that's not even a booking. The fact of the matter is, it's nothing. Um, so for the referee to give the penalty and then not send Dominic Ball off, for me that is just willful ignorance of the rules. It, it, it can be a booking. That's that's the kind of primary rule change. The rule change is such that it's what they call a triple punishment. So you're talking about the penalty award being given, you're talking about a dismissal, and then you're talking about a suspension for a straight red. So the problem, the problem you've got with this is referees don't have this excuse but I'm going to say it anyway. What you need to do is you need to look at that entire segment of play and break it into initial phases. The reason as to why he's not been given a red card is not because I had a deliberate attempt not to play the ball, it's because it's not classified as denying a goal-scoring opportunity. Because the only way Clancy doesn't give a red card in that scenario is because he believes that another Aberdeen player is going to be capable of getting close to the ball, which is equally ridiculous. Because exactly as Davis just said there, uh, ball is behind him, which is why he has to impede him in the first instance. So that's segment one. That is a penalty. So at that stage, what you then have to do is you've awarded the penalty. And within real time, you have to make a decision as to whether or not, based on the situation and position of the other players, is it going to be the denying of a, of a clear goal-scoring opportunity? Now, again, David hit the nail right in the head. It's an empty net. If you look at the Aberdeen goalkeeper, he is nowhere near in front of Windass. If that Aberdeen goalkeeper is centre of the goal or even further towards his right-hand post, then I would then say it's not a red card because he still has the keeper to beat. But even within that, he is hitting it into an empty net. It is the definition of denying a goal-scoring opportunity. And there is no Aberdeen player, because ball is behind him and has already fouled him, there is no Aberdeen player within at least five yards of him. By the time that Windass is going to connect with that, if he's three and a half yards out to goal, I'd be amazed. So, no, it is absolutely denying a goal-scoring opportunity, and it should have been a dead card. That, is, that was, apart from the next one that will come on to, I'm sure, one of the worst decisions. That was actually worse than the Morelos decision for me. Yeah, I, I thought it was... It was a, yeah, and I'd agree with that. I thought it was worse. But James Tavernier steps up, puts the ball away. Great penalty after a, a long delay as uh, Karma catches up with McKenna and uh, he does his hamstring. He'll be out for two months. My heart bleeds purple piss. And Rangers going at half-time 1-0 up. Second half, Rangers do drop back throughout the half. Aberdeen had nothing. I mean, Aberdeen, it was long ball, long ball, long ball. And Rangers under Goldson and Katic eating it up. Um Maybe in the last 10, tired a little, I think you could see Rangers drop back. Uh, Aberdeen finally get a, a ball drop in, a second ball drop into the young striker who'd come off the bench. He puts it away um, in injury time and, and nick a point. I was I was gutted, Cammy. I mean, I was genuinely gutted. Whereas after 10 minutes, you know, if you told me you get a point here, I'd have been, oh, fantastic. But... Uh, I really think we deserve three points. I thought we were so much better, that, that we were tactically better. I thought that we worked harder. I thought we were cleverer. We probably should have scored in the break. I mean, that's something we can talk about, but we we wasted a couple of good opportunities on the break. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was gutted at the end. Yeah, it's the, it's the second goal that, for me, 
kills us because if we'd got that, Aberdeen would have absolutely faded into nothing. Um, even at that, they had very, very few ideas in the tank other than just simply playing a bit of a long ball. Um, and it's it's frustrating, but it's frustrating because it's a game that you should have won. You're not saying, well, it's frustrating because uh, we, we scraped a point. Actually, you're coming away from there thinking it should have been all three. And I think, as I kind of said to you, uh, to you guys at the time, what it feels a lot like was the nil-nil game at Parkhead, where you're kind of going into it saying, please don't let, let this be a pumping. Then at half-time, you're saying, you know, maybe we can get a point out of this. And then by the end of the game, you're thinking, Jesus Christ, how did we not win that? And it, uh, and actually, there's plenty of other teams that we've seen go up there um, under the guise of being Rangers teams, I, I might add, who absolutely would have folded after Morelos got sent off. As soon as, they, as soon as they had that level of disadvantage, they would have absolutely capitulated. I think that it says a lot about Aberdeen, the reaction, you know, the goal that went in. Uh, remember we got pulled up for over-celebrating a winner? Uh, they, uh, for hell. Yeah, they, they got a draw against 10 men for uh, 80 minutes, but uh, no, but anyway. Um, there had been quite a few media reports about uh, Rangers are disrespectful, talking about going after Celtic, you know, they need to overcome Aberdeen, and we, we saw that, but you know, we are so much better than Aberdeen and the manager's comments were a class above and the sheep kind of clung to oh well you know it was after a draw they've taken two points out of 15 against us and we've been rotten we're significantly better now um, David the reason we're disrespectful of Aberdeen is because the manager's been there for five years and they hit the ball long to big strikers and that's it uh, and fair play to them it seems to work against a lot of teams I don't think it will this season without McLean and Christie there but Overall, the reason that we're disrespectful of Aberdeen is we're so much fucking better than them. I don't know. We're disrespectful to Aberdeen. I'm so fucking what? They're Aberdeen. The best uh, comeback I seen to that on Twitter last night was somebody saying, we're a, we're a level above Aberdeen. Well, we're playing in Europe on Thursday. They're not. That's why we're a level above them. I don't know how you can explain it any more simply than that in football in terms. No, it, 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 it's a puzzler, Cammy, the, this kind of rivalry that the media seem desperate to stir up, which is, of course, uh, a dig at us and saying that we can't compete with our beloved Celtic, and we get that. But, uh, the, you know, after that match, as disappointed as we all are, and you can point to flaws, you can absolutely point to flaws and saying we should have done better on the break, we made a mistake for the goal. But there was organisation, there was fight, there was spirit, there was determination. And does any Rangers fan have any fear of playing any SPFL team with the obvious and I wouldn't say fear but with the obvious exception of playing Celtic who we understand are significantly better than the rest of them after that this is the so called second best team in Scotland Rangers have every right to think you know we're going to pump everybody else well you're talking about you're talking about playing 90 minutes virtually 87 minutes I beg your pardon uh, with a spare man You've finished second for the last four years. Um, one of your players does an absolute hatchet job on an opponent who at that point is running the show. And for some reason, the conversation doesn't seem to be, well, why didn't Aberdeen beat Rangers by, you know, a clear goal, two goals, three goals? No, it seems to be when Gerard comes out. And there's no, there's no denying, no one wants to turn around and say, Rangers look better even though it's the most obvious thing to anyone who's who's able to do a comparable of this season and last. Rangers look better. They had to sort out their defence, have sorted out their defence. 
and he kept a clean sheet for you know the vast majority of that game. Uh, weathered the storm in terms of a, a, a continual attack from Aberdeen, but created chances and, and should have won the game. And that's my opinion. We should have won the game. The frustration that we feel is actually that that does feel like two points dropped. However, that's also with a man advantage that Aberdeen have against us. So it, it, it's it's not it's not surprising to see this. Well, Stephen Gerrard comes out because I, I think we're a ball here away from Gerrard saying or or being accused of saying. Uh, this league's a backwater. The talent level isn't as good. He's the crime. Some pish like that. I, I can guarantee you that that will come out at some point in this season of a complete misinterpretation of what Gerald's actually saying. It's uh, a common theme with Rangers managers that any of them coming in. We had Mark Warburton. Oh, he comes in here and he tells us this. Pedro was the same. Pedro got it really badly. The difference this time, David, is this is Stephen fucking Gerrard, right? And I I did see last night um, BBC editant Michael Stewart saying, oh, as usual, Rangers fans think one thing, the rest of the world think another. I'm like, no, the rest of the world don't. <laughs> you do and your, co- you know, your, your comrades. But the fact is, the media, I think, have to get in their heads that if Stephen Gerrard walks into a little unsuccessful country and says something, and much in the way Brendan Rodgers did, and of course he he is held up by them rather than criticised, but if he comes in and points at things, then the rest of the world don't go, well, if uh, Michael Stewart says that he's right, then uh, that he's wrong, then Stephen Gerrard must be wrong. They think, yep, uh, Stevie G's right there. I like the fact, David, that our boss just came out straight away and said, yep, you know, we know that decisions don't go for us, uh, this is because he doesn't give a flying fuck about the rest of Scottish football and he's going to build at Rangers the proper siege mentality that's required when you're up against it. He's not a bridge builder. He's a let's fuck everybody else. And I like that. Uh, I mean, first thing first, not only does he not give a fuck about uh, the rest of Scottish football, he has no idea who guys like Michael Stewart or Tam McManus, who were fairly poor footballers and proven to be even worse pundits, uh, are. You talk about uh, guys in the past as well, David, there's a healthy mix in Scotland of xenoph- English xenophobia, which is the acceptable face of bigotry and hatred in Scotland, and a hatred of Rangers. You know, it was perfectly exhibited when Mark Walton is here, when he was uh, saying that the commandment pitch wasn't up to stuff, and he was lambasted for it, saying, oh, this English guy coming up here telling us what's what in Scottish football. Twelve months later, uh, Roger says the same thing. He's like, then as always, right, we really should listen. This guy is uh, plastic pitch is really what we need in the top flight. Gerard, the difference between Gerard and who we've had in the past is Gerard's above it all. You know, he won't let it get to him. He'll concentrate on Rangers. He knows the bullshit is out there. Look at when he's doing his press conferences. You've got these fucking idiots in the mainstream media now. You know, with their crappy, uh, crappy questions, trying to get something out of him. And Gerard's just backing away. Look at the Catholics one in the middle of the week. That's a perfect example. Stephen Gerard's just above it all, and he's frankly better than all these people. Yeah. The, 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 the spin I would put on that is. If Derek McInnes is the best Scottish manager in the country, which they're alluding to because, again, finishing second four years in a row on on some sort of same platform as Rangers, etc., etc., why were his principal tactics for one of his centre-halves to bait a Rangers player into a dismissal and for one of his subs to come on and basically remove the guy who uh, was Rangers' best player? Because that, 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 that's, that's what he is. That, that was hammer throwing manager. Yesterday, one yesterday goal. that was tactically the two things yeah. that Derek McInnes got. That's what he is, Cammy. 
He's he's a long ball Tempo. merchant. He's a um, he's a big guy, set pieces, chucks some hammers guy. It's funny actually because after the match, the interviews, um, Stephen Gerrard, how do you feel? Gutted. Thought my team did really well. Um, Derek McInnes, delighted. And I thought, thank fuck, we dodged that bullet because the guy is a the guy is a loser and not what Rangers need. Um, and he can't, uh, you know, I, I don't trust people who can't get close to fit them. And we saw that yesterday with that shot. Uh, in terms of, uh, it was a toss-up between who had the best rear guard action um, defensive performance between Goldson and Katic and his shot buttons yesterday. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was a, a toss-up about who, who, who really had to keep it in. But I do think that it showed you the difference in class between the, the clubs and the manager and the expectation level, and that's why they're not our rivals. But we've spent a lot of time on negative stuff, and we will come back to referees in a minute, but I want to talk about positives, because there were a lot of positives for Rangers yesterday. The biggest one for me, and I think we need to take a couple of minutes to praise him and then get stuck into that fucking Game of Thrones twat that, that came on and uh, injured him, Ryan Jack... Two matches, Osijek and now the absolutely magnificent Cami. Phenomenal, yes. His, his work rate yesterday was just absolutely fantastic. But not only that, his, um, his, his awareness of where his teammates were, if he got into a bit of a cul-de-sac, he knew how to work himself out of it because he could close down really quickly, again, benefit of the spare man, etc., the amount of times where it looked like he could have got himself into trouble, he just very calmly opened up slightly, lifted his head up, been able to find a spare man, played the ball out. And if you can do that against a team who are trying to press you and harry you, you will absolutely frustrate them. Um, but just absolutely. And to do that at the Tawdry as well, given the level of abuse he was taking, um, just absolutely phenomenal. He really was just uh, just absolutely fantastic. David, it's a case of someone who has, you know, maybe, look, when Stephen Gerrard came in, I, I, I doubt he thought Ryan Jack's going to be a key player for me. It's someone who has been inspired by, you know, it's a big name, been inspired by the coaching and clearly is improving as a player under it. Mm-hmm. I think watching back the game yesterday, David, um, for about, you know, 60 minutes after we got the red card and we scored, Watching the back, the one word that was coming through my mind through all it was, this is so comfortable. And I think that was primarily down to Ryan Jack. I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, our midfield started to deteriorate a wee bit after he got t- taken off. Again, I think if Jack wants to be in Gerard's plans, he's certainly going a long way to show that he is available there for Gerard. You've seen the embrace he got from the manager when he came off yesterday. If he wasn't in Gerard's plans before this season, he's certainly making a massive case for himself now. Two two massive games this week and Ryan Jack's been man in a match in both of them for me. I would have taken a concussion to get a kiss off Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> Same. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, the offer's there, Stevie. But uh, any time. Someone accused me of having an unhealthy love for Stephen Gerrard last <laughs> night and I just uh, I just pointed out, how can you say that when you wouldn't even break into his house at three in the morning to see if he needed anything for the 24-hour garage? I would. That's the difference. Um but, you know, we shall see. One point I'm going to find him, and then it's going to be like misery with Kathy Bates and James Cann. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, you can let me know. He has asked me to stop sending uh, for you to stop sending him vials of your blood. Well, you, you never knows when he might need them. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know, that's a, sh- a short-term thinking, Gaffer. Uh, and also, I am so impressed with the two centre-backs so far. And look, we always have the worry with new players, David. Understandably, that, well, well Scottish football is different. It's quirky, it's, it's more physical, everyone plays 100 miles an hour against us. Yesterday, we played one of the two most physical teams in Scotland at their ground with their fans who go bongo at the very sight of us. Uh, they had a man advantage. They had, you know, big guys all over the park. Our team <laughs> did not wilt in the slightest with it. And the two centre-backs in particular strolled it, I thought, up until the last time when they did get tired. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I thought we were solid uh, throughout the back four yesterday, particularly in the middle. It's just such an upgrade for what we had six months ago, ending last season. Our defence was absolutely dire to, you know, nightmare situations. But Colson and Katic now, I'm just, I love the two big guys already. I think they're going to be really big players for us. And it's a weight off our mind as well. I think, if nothing else, there's a lot, I think there's still some winners from the support about going forward. But there's absolutely, you know, very little in the terms of defensive uh, nature. And you think, you know, back to the end of last season, if we were to say that we've got no worries in the in the defence, that would have been, you know, unthinkable uh, at that point. It's been such an improvement so far. And Golson and Katic, you know, looks like they're going to be a really strong partnership in there for us. So, Cammy, referees, before we move off this match on the other, other <laughs> events, the manager has come in to basically Rangers don't get decisions, which is true. And we've, you know, you just need to listen back to this show and you'll, you'll hear a litany of them. And it does certainly seem something that the Rangers fans feel um, and can point to incident after incident. You, you Literally every game there's something. Is it a case of they're just bad? And I think in the case of Kevin Clancy, if you want to make the argument that he's just a fucking atrocious referee, then you certainly can. Or is it a case of something more sinister? I don't think it's so. I don't. I don't believe that referees are, are bent. I've got to be honest. I don't. I think. I don't think they're smart enough to be subtle enough to be bent. Um, there, there is a campaign, and I will say this and use that language of far too many honest mistakes, because I believe it's. And I said this at the top of the show. It's easy to give decisions against Rangers because there's no repercussion. Um, there's no there's no call out for it, um, I, I, and again alluded to this uh, previously. Uh, the the May tackle assault, sorry, it wasn't even a tackle, was the worst decision of yesterday. It wasn't Morelos, and it wasn't Goldson, and it wasn't Arfield, and it wasn't Windass. It was the May challenge yesterday. That was absent. Um, Shouldn't referees know, in terms of homework, that oh, there's a history between those two, he's done him, he's gone to do him, that's a premeditated one? You can do, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you, you, you can do, and, and, and you know, you've, you've seen cases of that in the past, um, but when you look at that challenge, and you've got to remember, that wasn't even a free kick. So, no. when you look at that, there's an element to this where... Um, if we had lost yesterday, and let's let's remove the penalty and let's remove a red card, that decision would have absolutely have changed the game for us. Um, it could possibly have further repercussions for us. Um, and 
I think it's I think it's bizarre that you're saying to a referee you haven't given a free kick for a player who's been hospitalised. How can you make that statement? And that to me is just absolutely bizarre. Um, I think it's ineptitude. I think it is complacency. Um, I think Rangers should in some manner start to build a case now in terms of where this sits because I don't believe things like this even themselves out. Um, you can say that certain players do have a bit of needle against each other, which obviously they two do. The problem is you can't say to them before they start the game, take it easy to you because you know, that, that's not what a referee's there to do. But if you see something like that, you have to then turn around and go, that's absolutely intentional. 100% intentional. Um, so as a result of that, that's where you then have to start making your decisions. And that, for me, is where May, sh- May should have been sent off yesterday. That was absolutely intentional. It certainly would come under reckless, David. I mean, he, he, he's done him. He's ran 20 yards, full pelt, and then just leapt right into him. I mean, uh, I never watched the game live yesterday because I was away doing other duties in Forford, but watched it back today and I watched the highlights last night and I heard it was a bad one, but seeing I actually saw it, you know, I was jaw-dropped on the floor. As you said, he's taken a running start at him, he's jumped up, and I'd say he's led to the elbow as well, he's done exactly what he's doing, but right into the back of Jack, I mean, that's that's dangerous, that's going out to, you know, injure a fellow pro, that could have been, you know, anything, a concussion, a broken neck, the... The height he gets to get that far up in Jack's body is incredible. It's nothing else. I don't know how any referee can look at that and think that that's anything but a player trying to, try to hurt a fellow pro. And for you know Clancy to take no action with it, it's just astounding. It really is. It's baffling to me. He also didn't, you've also got to remember as well, and and, and certainly none, no instance comes to my mind at least, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they did that to anyone else. No, God no. no. So that's, how you, that's how you know he's doing it to Jack. And, it's, and let's not play victims here, right? I understand why he does that because we remember the challenge last season. Now, I defended Jack in that challenge, I might add as well. I'm not saying Jack was at fault there. But this comes back to your point, Edgar, about it's about if there's history between those two players, you then have to understand, OK, so if he goes in for a challenge against them, is it because of that history? And, that's, and that is the only reason why that happened yesterday. That is the only reason why that happened. Not because he had an intent to win the ball, not because he just saw a blue shirt, it's because he saw Ryan Jack. Um, and it's an easy it's, a, it's an easy challenge to make because it gets all the home fans off their seats. Uh, yeah, he knew what he was doing, absolutely. And uh, yeah, uh, and he's, he's put Ryan Jack in the hospital. And again, Aberdeen win the, the trophy that they crave, which is injuring a Rangers player. That's all they have. There's nothing more tragic than the Aberdeen support. They really are pathetic. Um, just... They remind me a wee bit of uh, the track and field arcade game that they're just uh, a relic from the eighties, you know, and uh, it's just something but, something that but, uh, years in, ago had a point that now doesn't. In, in Scotland, though, your punishment for that as a referee is to be demoted for a week, maybe two weeks or whatever. So apart from apart from the fact that you're now robbing those paying fans uh, of a decent game of a decent level of entertainment because you're going to have a negative influence in the game because you're inept. You're also now endangering other players because you want some guy who maybe plays part-time, depending on how low down you go, who plays part-time to end up having to miss his work because the referee hasn't punished the guy who's come right through the back and potentially broken his collarbone. Exactly. It's a disgrace. And this is the kind of thing that Rangers need to come back with just because, Jack, just because there wasn't punishment at the time of it. 
Rangers have to come out and say, we're trying to compete in Europe to increase this country's coefficient, which your national team couldn't dream of doing at the moment. We're trying to do this to start, and now we're having to miss a Scottish player missing that game because your referee hasn't protected him well enough and then taking the result action that has had to happen. So May's now got away with it. What's to stop him doing it again in December? Well, there's certainly no incentive not to... You know, it's, it's a so, fact. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. But moving on then, lads. Uh, we'll move on to Europe, where Rangers uh, got through against uh, Osijek after a 1-1 draw at Ibrox. And again, another good performance. Looked very comfortable. Nikola Katic getting the goal in the second half. Osijek struck back with uh, a goal from Barisic. More on him later in the last <laughs> minute and shooting a, a nervous last couple of minutes. But we, we got through. There was... Uh, some trouble outside the ground when Croatian ultras attacked Rangers supporters uh, and allegations that there were Celtic supporters involved in that as well uh, from a bar in uh, one of the kind of seedier parts of Glasgow had been, uh, shall we say, stoking the flames. But I don't have an awful lot of sympathy for the Croatian supporters, David. I, I don't. They came looking for trouble and unfortunately for them they got it Rangers fans do not have a history of attacking fans outside the ground it's not something that we experience and if you're going to come uh, and attack supporters going about their business I don't think you've got a lot of uh, a lot of moral authority to complain when you get it back No, uh, I'd agree with that um, you know, other side of MD that's carrying a knife in today's day and age I've got absolutely no time for and don't want to be associated with but for guys to come over here you know some of these arseholes have fucking MMA gloves and gum shields on they came looking for trouble they found it and two of them end up in hospital do you have any sympathy for them? absolutely fucking not no it's it's very difficult not to Cammy we that was a good result because Ossiette were a good team and I was Watching the game, sitting watching the game in the stand the other night, and I was I actually think this is a good game. You know, these are two evenly matched sides, and then it hit me. I was like, two evenly matched sides. That's not something we could have said last season because they're a decent side. You know, as we said, they knocked out PSV Eindhoven last year. You could see what they did. Rangers had to do well to get through that tie. They did, but what I enjoyed probably best, actually, maybe across the two legs, I think, was I thought OCA were really physical, which I quite liked as a good test. Um, because it's one thing that, you know, we were we were far too soft um, previously. Um, I, I will give a bit of a shout out as well that although it proved to to not really matter in the end, um, the the goal in the in the second leg of the tie just highlighted the importance of what a great save McGregor had at the end in the first leg of the tie because uh, that does change things in its head slightly. Um, so real kudos to McGregor coming in for that. He, he's done very, very well for us. But the, the game, the game on the, on Thursday for me just felt like a good. It felt like a good test for us to be able to say, you know, right now, yes, it's pre, it's still pre season. It's all that kind of stuff as well. But you know, how quickly can you rise to the challenge of being able to do this? And I think to a man, uh, every single Rangers player could come off that park on Thursday feeling quite proud of everyone that contributed. Again, I mean, we'll be touched on it, but. Um, Jack, again, phenomenal. Just absolutely proving that you can play well against Aberdeen, but you can also play well in Europe as well, and that's that's a great hallmark for him. 
Yeah, moving forward. Now, David, Maribor on Thursday night, uh, old foes of ours, of course. Good record against Scottish teams the last few years, Maribor. Decent record all in, uh, Maribor. They have been in the Champions League the last few years. Okay, they've had weapons in it, but so Celtic, you know, for, for teams for smaller nations, it is difficult once you reach there because of the financial disparity. We accept that. Uh, but to get there, you've got to be pretty decent and... I think this is going to be a very, very difficult tie. It's another step up from Aussie. I think we can do it, but we're going to have to be at our best, not make mistakes defensively. And the key thing for me is if we have opportunities, we've got to take them. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that totally. I think uh, we missed quite a few chances against Aussie, especially Ibrooks uh, during the week there. I don't think if we miss any chances, we'll be you know quite the same leeway as we did against Aussie. I think it will be the similar tie. I think it will be, you know, two games that you're going to need to win. We're not going to be able to saunter through these ties. We'll not get, you know, I don't think we'll get lucky in these ties. I don't know much about Maribor. I don't. I've, I've not watched them since we last played them. But again, as you said, they've got to this point, so there is a level of quality there. I think the good thing is, so David, as you say, though, um, at, we're looking at this now. It's a winnable tie, and not only that, no, we're looking ahead to the, if we get through to the next round as well. There's a light at the end of the tunnel where it's a real possibility that we've got a great chance of getting through the group stages. Yeah, well, we absolutely do. The draw for the next round would be um, AFA of Russia. Um, the club not that long in existence, and the first manager was a certain Andrei Kinchelskis. So uh, there's a wee bit of a Rangers connection, so Andrew will be popping up, I dare say, if we get through. Uh, and if uh, it's AFA or our old foes progress, which kind of feels like destiny, Cammy. But I, we do have to not look too far ahead because this tie is no gimme. It's not, and as bizarre as this may sound, I think Maribor are a tougher test oh, they than are. Progress I, I, would I, be now. Yeah, well, yeah. both both Progress are half. But yes, I would agree with that. I think Maribor are a better side than, than both of um, yeah, so kind of similar to what David said. I've not seen too much of them um, since we obviously played them previously, but they do have a European pedigree. Um, we, we've we got a good bit of momentum now, um, and we absolutely have no reason to fear anyone. Uh, we need to take chances. We can't be properly out in front of goal, as we, we've probably seen. Actually, I, I would I would probably say more against Aberdeen rather than against Ossier. Um finish off some of those chances and that's it but then um, with the way how the fixture schedule then kind of coming out as well um, doing that now helps because if we are coming back uh, either from Luxembourg or Russia not long before we uh, play our friends at the other side of the city then you really want the, the home game to finish the tie as much as you possibly can so um if we can get past Maribor, it will be because we've taken chances. If we continue doing that and we can um, finish that next group or sorry, that next tie at home, so the second leg's a bit of a gimme, that is the ideal situation. That's a perfect scenario. David, one of the, the outcomes of the tie against Osijek was that it looks as though Rangers are going to sign their goal scorer and I think... Um, quite clearly their best player um, over the two games um, uh, Borna Barisic Borna Bear 
a sitch more like uh, for round about two million pounds left-sided player can play full-back wing-back or central defense uh, as part of a three which clearly has been something Steven Gerrard has been after all summer uh, I've got to be honest I'm quite excited about this because I think this boy looked really fucking talented yeah I totally agree I think they it was they are a clear standout in the two ties that we played against his two legs we played against them sorry I think, you know, I'm quite excited with not just the happening, but just you know, the, the pace it's happened as well. I think after Thursday, there was a talk about uh, us going to make a move from, but I put it down to just, you know, standard paper talk, put two to two together. But here we are, less than a week later, and, you know, the guy, as I've recorded, is at Auckland Howie, he's getting his medical done, it looks to be, you know, just about a done deal. Again, it's, um, if nothing else, it's an improvement for what we've had last year. Again, the guy looks superb, both like, he looks solid and, you know, he looked really good bombing up the wing as well. It's, I'm, like, I'm really excited, you know, it just, it's building this anticipation for what we've got ahead under Gerard. I think Alex made a, when we were talking to Alex today in the, our uh, group chat, he made a good point today as well. One thing you can't accuse Stephen Gerrard of is not having a plan and not of a way of uh, how he wants to sit out. He's clearly got an idea of the kind of guy he's wants in and how he wants us to be playing football. Now, there were a couple of incidents this week that I want to chat about um, because I think they, they, they say a lot about where Scotland is in relation to our place in it in 2018. The first one, I'm sure you will have seen the videos, folk, Nacho Novo being abused at Belfast Airport by a Celtic supporter. Um, some really horrible videos that we were unfortunately forced to to have a look at. Um just appalling behaviour and it comes on the back, Cammy, of Russell Martin being abused. It comes on the back of the Scottish Cup final two thousand sixteen where our players were attacked. It comes on the back of Motherwell where our players were attacked. This is not something that happens in isolation, nor is it something that is happening less, and nor is it something that is being dealt with and it's being allowed to fester and when you allow problems to fester it gets worse. And while we have a situation where the ruling classes in this country uh, and the, the chattering classes in this country will, if certain people or certain groups are in any way attacked, even verbally, then you know they, they will round up a posse and uh, get their rope ready for a lynching. But when it happens to anybody or anything connected to Rangers, they... It seems to have a different reaction. It does, but there's um, there's a I want to say an evolution certainly to some of these these instances. There's no evolution, no evolution to that fucker that was abusing Nacho. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously he's the exception to the rule, isn't it? But I think what will happen within some of these scenarios will be. Um, you can walk up to a Rangers player and call him a hun, and people will get a laugh out of it. And then what you can do is you can take hun scum banners into Parkhead, no action will be taken. And then what you can do is you can put effigies hanging from the tiers at Parkhead, nothing will be done of it. And what tends to happen now, and what you're kind of seeing, and especially with that absolute troglodyte, is a level of escalation of where... It, you know, acceptable behaviour is completely removed, but also uh, there's no overriding condemnation of stages one, two, three. Now you're kind of going up this ladder, if you will, in terms of 
how far can you get away with? The the difference for me um, with that idiot was what he's clearly trying to do. If you've seen, if you've had, you know, the misfortune to have to watch those videos, um, is he's trying to bait Novo because he wants a reaction. And before he has now deleted his social media, actually his pages were all private, but he publicly posted that video because he wanted people to see what a laugh it was. So not only does he not realise what an absolutely reprehensible level of behaviour that is for one adult to treat another adult, he's celebrating it. And he's been egged on in the videos by his pals. And what he's clearly trying to do is bait a guy who has not long had major heart surgery into some sort of violent confrontation so it makes him appear what he really wants to be and at the true heart of all of their mindset, David, is a victim. He wants to be the victim and, and Novo, thankfully, because he's far too sensible, doesn't bite. Um, you're absolutely correct. Uh, um, you know, in an alternate dimension, that happens to Scott Brown. Uh, anything else happens like that, that's a major, major story. And certain figures, political figures in Scotland, would absolutely love the opportunity to be able to comment and things like that. However, now what you've seen is uh, uh, no comment coming out because, again, the, the agenda doesn't suit what they want it to be. Um, it's disgusting. And the, the reason why I say this and why I kind of get a little bit on my soapbox about it is because if I went up to a Celtic player and said, you know what, mate, I hope you die in your sleep. I generally don't think half the guys I talk to on this podcast of the people who listen to this podcast would want me anywhere near it because that is absolutely disgusting behaviour. It is out of order and you can't say that to people. You can't say that to another human being. Now, you know Celtic fans. I know Celtic fans. I work with Celtic fans. And by and large, some of them are okay. Some of them, you know, are obviously absolute yahoos, but, you know, you, you have to take people as you find them. But by and large, you can get on with most people because you know what? You're, you're, you've got a degree of common sense in your head. And you just know where the line is. That guy is an absolute scumbag. And I'm not a huge fan of witch hunts. That guy deserves everything that's going to come to him. Um, the reason that I mentioned this is I did want to contrast it with something you pointed out. This desire to be a victim. This, And as you say, that's exactly what the guy wants. He wants Nacho. He wants to bait Nacho into having a swing at him. That's exactly what he wants to do. And this fetishisation of victimhood that we get from supporters of other clubs is bizarre and I'll give you a quite comedic example that I noticed on social media but I think it does tap into the, the larger narrative here which is a chap posted uh, one of the Rangers supporters buses stopped in Stonehaven today and their fans went down to the beach at the harbour shouted at my father-in-law who was there was my eldest son who is three then kicked their sandcastles over as they left now that didn't happen right? let's, let's, no. you know, let's just be uh, later on in his tale he tried to say oh my father-in-law is actually a Rangers fan and we like, so wait a minute the Rangers fans walked down this guy probably went you know good luck today hope we win and our fans went and kicked over their sandcastles. No, that it didn't happen. But it's part of this making things up, making us look like the bad guys, you know, lying, telling you know, nonsense stories. And it's this reveling in victimhood, David. And at the same time, they want to simultaneously get it right up us and, and paint us as, you know, use our skin and your club doesn't exist and all that shit. Whereas at the same time they're desperate to be the victims of big bad rangers, it's a, it's an, it's not a consistent position. 
Look at first day, David, uh, when the stuff about the troubles around Ibrox happened. And if you look at all the Celtic fans or whoever else, people who don't like Rangers posting on Twitter saying, haha, look at all these Huns getting a doing. And then when it came out that it was actually quite the opposite, it was like, oh, it's a disgrace, these Rangers fans fighting the streets again, Scotland, shame. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you weren't so against football violence half an hour ago when you thought that it was innocent Rangers fans wanting to the game, getting a deed kicked in. It goes back again, David, something I said earlier on the show about, you know, the acceptable face of hatred in Scotland. You can say anything you want or hate as many Rangers fans you want because we're ex, we're the boogeyman, we're this big, bad, horrible thing. Rangers fans aren't nice people, we're horrible bastards, apparently. So if we're that bad, then, you know, you can do what you want about us because we're, we're fucking horrible. We go out and we kick sandcastles down without any provocation, apparently. I had an argument about this in uh, uni recently with people I go, go there with and it was about somebody, one of the guys in class I kind of called me a hun or something and it wasn't said with malice, it was said in a kind of banter kind of way but to be honest, I don't want anybody calling me a hun or a non-bastard or anything like that because Because it's a firstly, sectarian term, it's abuse, yeah Exactly, but it. the point as well, they could call, they'd call me a hun but they wouldn't go and call a Celtic fan you know, the equivalent. Yeah. And David, for, for no other reason than I'm raised better than that. But if somebody else was to, the same guy was to go and call a Celtic fan that, then everyone else would react going, oh, hold on, you can't say that. Nobody reacted when I get called a hun or an orange bastard because that's acceptable. Yeah, and but that's it in a nutshell. It's the acceptable face of bigotry. And uh, it's just bizarre, I think. It's a, it's a strange way. That, these are strange ways for grown-ups to behave and I don't understand it, but it's part of dehumanising us, as you say, making us into just a, a faceless mass that you can say anything you want about. That's exactly what the plan is. And, and you know, well done to to us for not accepting it. I don't think we should take it. But it, it does tie into why the manager is building this this kind of, well, fuck everybody else, um, because that's exactly how you counter it. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening to us then on the show. Now, uh, Heart and Hand Extra will be back this week on Friday because we'll we'll wait. It's usually a Thursday show, as you know, but we're playing on Thursday. So we'll wait and see how we get on and then preview the St Mirren match. If you have enjoyed listening to us, please check out our Patreon site. We've got over 3,000 subscribers on there now. And if you like this show, you will absolutely love it. And it's just $1.99 per month. So go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand to check it out. I guarantee if you go on there, you will find something you like. There's already something like 750 hours in the archive. So plenty of listening. And if you get annoyed at the Scottish media, and why wouldn't you? Don't listen to it. You do have an alternative. So just time then to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Knightley and Mr. Paul Miles, and to thank my two wonderful guests today. First of all, Mr. Cameron James Bell. Thank you, boys. I'm off back to the sun lounge up. I was going to say go and eat some Mexican food, but over there it's probably just called food. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And in that heat, you probably don't want your arse going... Ten to the dozen after a particularly spicy burrito. And uh, in in Linwood, I was going to say to David, go and eat a fish supper. Yeah, thanks very much, Jen. It's been a pleasure. I'm away back to my bottle of mad dog. <laughs> on that note, we'll leave you. We'll be back on Friday. Thank you very much for listening. Until we talk again, take care. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.